This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. It's the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. That's me. Don't look now, but after actor Alec Baldwin shot and killed his cinematographer and wounded the director of his Western film, you're probably going to see the reliable knee-jerk leftist calling for banning all guns. Hey, it won't be too long before he's doing anti-gun PSAs, all because he mishandled a gun. He shot two people, and it's his fault. But since the October shooting, Baldwin has blamed the armorer for his shooting. And then on his disastrous ABC News interview, he blamed the cinematographer herself. You know, the one he shot and killed. And actor Adam Baldwin says it's not the gun's fault that reckless idiot lead actor Alec Baldwin violated every safety and long-established protocols we have. That's a direct quote. Oh, and he had plenty more to say about that incident, as well as much, much more in our interview coming up in just a minute. But by way of background... Adam Baldwin is an actor's actor. He's been working solidly in films and in television since he was a kid, and he's still going at it after all these years. He's used guns. In fact, he used the very same vintage gun Alec Baldwin, a distant, distant, distant relation, used on the set of Rust. Adam Baldwin used the gun in the gunfight at the OK Corral scene for the movie Wyatt Earp. Sadly, Adam Baldwin's character didn't make it out alive. Damn that Wyatt Earp. Throw up your hands. I want your guns. Baldwin's point is well taken. If Alec Baldwin had not misused his weapon, his cinematographer would still be alive and his director would be in one piece. Because guns don't kill people, as this scene out of American Dad illustrates. 
Guns kill. Oh, guns kill. Is that right? Well, let's see about that. Okay, gun, kill. Go ahead, kill someone. Don't be shy. See? Guns don't kill people. People kill people. Guns defend people against people with smaller guns. Unlike Kyle Rittenhouse and that school shooter kid's parents, Alec Baldwin still faces no charges yet. It's been weeks, and somehow Andrew Bronca of the Law of Self-Defense has assessed the liability and believes that under New Mexico law, Alec Baldwin could easily be charged with involuntary manslaughter. So what's the holdup? Well, he's Alec Baldwin. And he's not guilty, so he says. Your emotions are so clearly so right there on the surface. You felt shock. You felt anger. You felt sadness. Do you feel guilt? No, no. I feel that there is, I, I feel that, that, that uh, someone is responsible for what happened, and I can't say who that is, but I know it's not me. Of course, that's ridiculous. Please enjoy and learn from my discussion with the good Baldwin, Adam Baldwin, on the Adult in the Room podcast. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Adam Baldwin is a well-known actor whom you've seen in everything from Firefly to Chuck to Full Metal Jacket to Independence Day, NCIS, and his voice is featured in some of the biggest uh, video games around. He just wrapped up a movie about the retired NFL quarterback, Kurt Warner, and it's called American Underdog. That's coming out fairly soon. In fact, Adam Baldwin, when is that movie coming out to you? Do you know? Christmas Day. No, really? What a great day. Perfect. Yeah, it really is. Um, what an what an interesting guy. I mean, he uh, Kurt Warner is a pretty interesting guy. I can recall just some bare bones of his backstory, but um, uh, super nice guy. It's a beautiful movie. Awesome. That's really great. Well, Adam Baldwin has handled the kind of gun that Alec Baldwin used when he shot and killed the cinematographer and wounded the director he worked with on the movie set, Rust. Adam Baldwin, officially welcome to the Adult in the Room podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Victoria. I'm still a kid at heart. Um, I believe it. I believe it. You were on with me earlier in the week on KTTH Radio in Seattle, and I appreciate you spending more time with me here. You're really outspoken about Adam or Alec Baldwin's. <laughs> Alec Baldwin's. How dare, how dare you? I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, about his sh- handling of the gun. I mean, it was a foreseeable uh, accident and it didn't need to happen. And one of the things I didn't ask you on KTTH was why you are so passionate about this issue. Um, what's the backstory for you about why you're so PO'd about this? Well, I've been involved in movies since 1979. I've been handling weapons on camera for the better part of 40 years. And I have come to respect and love the armorers and the prop personnel that have been able to put those weapons in my hand on camera for a sense of authenticity. Now, this is uh, 
this incident, this horrific incident that never should have happened, uh, it enrages me because Alec, the shooter, violated safety protocols that had been in place for decades in the movie industry. And once he did that, in the immediate aftermath, his fast reaction PR team, whoever it was behind the scenes, launched onto Twitter, where I uh, spend some time, and you could see a narrative forming attacking the young uh, woman armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, unfairly so. Now, whatever uh, secondary violations of law that the armorer may have committed, they pale in comparison to what Alec actually did holding the weapon in his hand and dropping the hammer on the cartridge and sending that round down the barrel towards people he was pointing at. It's his fault. He was holding the weapon. He didn't check it ahead of time. He didn't clear it and show it to the people he was pointing it at, which is standard practice in movie and television business. And it's outrageous that he tried to get away with it by pointing the finger at quote unquote, someone else. It's someone else's fault. That's a bunch of crap. Yeah. Uh, in that interview with George Stephanopoulos, he talked about how, well, it was someone's fault, but it wasn't my fault. And it continued that trajectory of the narrative of trying to blame A, someone else, B, the armorer on that on the film set, although he kind of laid off her uh, after a little while when it was sh- it was just incredibly unseemly. Um, what, do, what do you make of that? Well, there are two there are two elements to this story. There's the criminal legal aspect, both uh, criminally and civilly that he has to deal with. And then there's the political aspect of it. And I don't think that his interview with George Stephanopoulos helped him politically speaking with the prosecutor's uh, decision-making process on whether to go forward with charges. Obviously, it's up to the, the local Santa Fe prosecutor whether to bring charges or not. And uh, I, I can't read her mind. I don't know what's going on in her office. But the indications since that interview are that uh, it didn't help his cause at all. I mean, he basically confessed to involuntary manslaughter on camera, on national television. Yeah, yeah. He did. Um, Take us through his uh, efforts to provide a realistic shot for his cinematographer. Um, And and uh, he said that because he was trying to do what she wanted him to do under her direction, he shot her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's not flying. She's not his boss. They're collaborators. They're they're equal team members. He's actually uh, above her because as he, it's his his interview is so incoherent. There are times where he's saying, "Oh, I'm thrilled that they're hiring her. That uh, my my friend, the director who I worked with before, is is hiring her on. I'm thrilled." And then he's saying that she's telling him what to do, or he doesn't have, as if he doesn't have a choice in the matter. Yeah, and that's ridiculous. Of course he does. He's the lead actor. He's one of the producers. He's basically one of the bosses. She's not his boss, she's his collaborator, she's his cinematographer, and just because she tells him to do something doesn't mean he has to do it in an unsafe manner. And he did. And, and he it, did. And he talk about the function of that 
gun. At, you've handled a gun almost exactly the same before mm-hmm. and in Wyatt Earp. And you you gave a really great explanation on the radio, and uh, which I included in my PJ Media article. But I wanted you to go through that again, if you wouldn't mind. The weapon in question seems to be a Colt 45, either a replica, uh, remanufactured weapon that is fully functional. It can fire live rounds, um, and it has a cocking mechanism and internal safety mechanisms built into that cocking mechanism that allow for when you pull the hammer back, you have to pull the hammer back with your with your thumb or your other hand and manipulate it backwards, and then you pull the trigger to drop that hammer on the round in the uh, in the cylinder, the chamber, and that fires it downrange. Um, he describes aiming it, cross-drawing it, and aiming it just off camera where the cinematographer would be seated or standing, looking at the monitor on the camera. And that angle is what he was, quote-unquote, directed to aim at. A lot of this is just, it's ancillary information. He pulled the he pulled the gun and pointed it at her right. off camera. And there's no reason for him to have even pulled that hammer back and depressed the trigger. Whether he depressed the trigger or not is irrelevant. His finger, I, I suspect his finger was on the trigger when he, he gripped the weapon from his holster and cross-drew it. I suspect his finger was on the trigger and the hammer dropped after he pulled it back because he was still depressing the trigger. So in his mind... He doesn't feel that he pulled the trigger, but it was already pulled. That's the way that weapon works. Uh huh. Uh huh. So um, that I mean, I think it's important just because I think people need to know the function of the the, the particular weapon and and the fact that he was describing in this interview that he pulled it back. That he cocked he cocked the hammer, and and I was just like, oh my god, are you serious right now? Talking like this? Well, and then I pulled it back a little more, and then I pulled it back a little more. This is a marking rehearsal where I'm going to show her. She's standing next to the camera. She's like this. You're me. She's got a monitor here. The camera is here filming that way. She takes a monitor that his that is his monitor, the operator, and turns it toward her. It swivels. And she says to me, hold the gun lower. Go to your right. Okay, right there. All right, do that. Now show it a little bit lower. And she's getting me to position the gun. Everything is in her direction. She's guiding me through how she wants me to hold the gun for this angle. And I, I draw the gun out, and I find a mark. I draw the gun out, and I find a cut. And what's really urgent is the gun wasn't meant to be fired in that angle. So if you're shooting directly into the camera lens, you're not aiming I'm not shooting into the camera lens. I'm shooting just off. Just off. Right, in her direction. I'm holding the gun where she told me to hold it, which ended up being aimed right in below her armpit. That was what I was told. I don't know. This was a completely incidental shot, an angle that may not have ended up in the film at all. But we kept doing this. So then I said to her, now in this scene, I'm going to cock the gun. And I said, do you want to see that? And she said, yes. So I take the gun and I start to cock the gun. I'm not going to pull the trigger. I, I said, do you see that? She goes, well, just cheat it down and tilt it down a little bit like that. And I cock the gun. I go, can you see that? Can you see that? Can you see that? And she says, and then I let go of the hammer of the gun and the gun goes off. I let go of the hammer of the gun and the gun goes off. At the moment. The decisive that was the moment. moment the gun went off. Yeah, that was the moment the gun went off. It wasn't in the script for the trigger to be pulled. 
Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. So no. you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. I, I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them, never. never. That was the training that I had. You don't point a gun at me and, and pull the trigger. On day one of my instruction in this business, people said to me, never take a gun and go click, 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 because even though it's incremental, you damage the firing pin on the gun if you do that. Don't do that. You know, this is something that I saw in the Rittenhouse trial as well, just just drawing a parallel to the audience that's used to me talking about it, and that is uh, the, he, he slowed it down so much that it sounded as if he were conducting this this uh, shooting in in minutes as opposed to seconds. And, and then I cocked it back a little bit more, and then I pointed it here. And was it going that, it sounds like he was quick drawing and he was doing it as opposed to slowly doing it. Because even still, either way, there's no excuse for what happened. It's just that. Well, you want the story. He, he was describing what's known as a marking rehearsal. You mark the spot off lens for the for the barrel to be pointing at so that it can be a beauty shot down the the gun to his face and he was he was working with the cinematographer to find a point where he could aim at and that just happened to be right at her and uh, at, at her center mass basically mm-hmm. um, for lack of a better term and when he was drawing he had probably practiced this i don't know this is all all the details are going to come out later they don't really matter but if you like to hear the story this is the way i i know that it happened i'm I'm positive because i've seen it i've done it you pull without without live firing making sure it was clear of course you pull it the weapon you aim it at a point you cock the hammer you could be doing it all simultaneously and then you pull the trigger to the to drop the hammer or you've already got your finger on the trigger and the hammer drops when you release your thumb off of the back of the hammer. Um, Which is so what he admitted that, to do. That's what he, he, he confessed to doing that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's amazing. Is he going to go to prison? Do you think? I couldn't speculate on that. That's up to a jury. If it goes that far, I, Unlikely he would see any prison time. I'm sure that if if the prosecutor chooses to charge him, he'll plea it down to no time in jail, restitution, uh, whatever that that entails, legal costs for the state. I'm not sure about any of that stuff. Again, that's up to the prosecutor. I don't think he'll spend any time in prison, but uh, it could potentially bankrupt him. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much money he has. I don't really care. How do you put a price on someone's life like this? It's his, it's his recklessness. It's involuntary manslaughter. It's a slam dunk legal case. It's just a question now politically, does the prosecutor want to go forward? She hasn't charged him yet. There's plenty of evidence. Well, they're still gathering facts. I think that because he's such a high profile character, uh, she wants to make sure that she has all of her T's crossed and I's dotted before she brings charges and make sure she has all of the evidence to make sure that it's a slam dunk case before she, he's not a flight risk. I mean, uh, I can't imagine he would run away with how many kids does he have now? Six, seven, six, six, seven kids. I can't imagine he would. 
See, his big mistake was not just owning up to it in the beginning, saying, I should have checked it. He should have known. He did know. In the back of his mind, maybe he just forgot. He got negligent. He got reckless. He got sloppy, uh, arrogant. Whatever he, whatever he did, he knew this. He's been on films and TV sets long enough that he knows the protocols. He knows the safety protocols that are hard, fast rules based on state law uh, and uh past experience with uh, the, the infamous Jason Lee uh, incident that oh, yeah. firearms on set are treated with special care and he exhibited none of that. It is truly amazing. The parents of the school shooter are being brought up on charges because they bought the gun okay. and they're, they they actually, they'll be wiped out. I mean, clearly they're devastated and, and, uh, as it is, uh, mm-hmm. but they will be held criminally liable, according to the DA, for I, this particular thing. And I have, an, be- I, have an, I have an interesting angle on that, if you're interested. In well, of course, it. yeah. Well, there's a pattern we've seen with these school shooters. They tend to be disassociated kiddos who have... I'm not excusing any of this, but there is a pattern that these kids don't just come out of the blue and open fire in their schools. They've been in their school systems for years, and many of them are in the special special needs programs, and and many of them have been put on uh, behavioral... uh, modifying drugs, Ritalin, Adderalls, whatever they are, from a very young age. You know, here's... The ugly, the ugly truth of the matter is that there's a war against boys in schools. You know, little Johnny, come in and sit down, cross your legs and be quiet. Instead of letting the boys get to school and run around for an hour, mm-hmm. then go in and sit down when they're ready to learn, when their endorphins have uh, kicked off. Um, so these kiddos are modified with drugs and then they become a problem in school and this happens over years, and then they, they become the weirdo, and then they're bullied, and they become alienated, and they're on drugs. Their, their parents are fighting for services within these schools, tends to be for years. This is an untold aspect of the story, that the special needs programs, they resist helping parents and these kids with services, so they do it for money. It costs a lot to hire a special needs teacher for services. And what they do is they resist the parents and then they go to, they go to ground. They're quiet until the parents become frustrated and belligerent. And then they can shut them down and send them off to an emotionally disturbed, uh, silo, if you will. And Mm -hmm. then it's the state, it's the state's problem. It's no longer the school system's problem. This is a whole other ball of worm, uh, can of worms, but, um, it's it's terrible and and again it goes to whose security why aren't teachers allowed to voluntarily uh, carry firearms right and be trained with them on school campus i i would trust my yeah i mean you trust you trust your teacher with your kid in class i would trust him with a firearm it's interesting well now the parents in that case are going to be held criminally criminally liable and alec baldwin hasn't been charged yet that's that's true. Well, to button up that that last thing, I certainly hope that any of the special needs negotiations and files that those parents had with the school system, I hope they release those so we can see what the kids' history was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Alec Alec hasn't been charged, but 
again, I don't think that interview with Stephanopoulos has done him any favors with the uh, either the sheriff in that uh, in Santa Fe County or nor the prosecutor. So we'll see. Well, and you said during that interview, he invoked the names of Spielberg and Tom Cruise and Meryl Streep. And then he lambasted, if you will, sort of sneered, as you put it, uh, against George Clooney's observations about gun use on set. And you said that was a big mistake. Politically speaking, sure, you're going to alienate your otherwise industry allies. Uh, politically speaking, all the people that he mentioned, they're, they're liberal on the left and they're uh, otherwise his political allies. Why would, why would he invoke their names in this context? I can't imagine that they appreciated that. Right. Um, and especially with guns, because even though they star in movies where they use guns or direct movies where there are guns in use, politically, having guns, uh, being associated with guns, uh, liking guns is really uh, impolitic. And that probably doesn't help. I mean, there are some loud mouths that proclaim that, but they're there are many, many examples of people that <laughs> that clearly don't behave that way. Clooney being number one in this in this case, but you look at the John Wick shows. You look at westerns in general. Alec himself was doing a western, holding a gun, glorifying gun use himself when this tragedy happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, they talk a good game, and I I just don't understand why. Maybe they they <sighs> leftism. They don't like leftists don't like cars and they don't like guns unless it's their car. That's a Tesla that runs on coal or (laughs) (laughs) or it's or or it's their security personnel's firearms. They don't like either of those because why those two. Those two items, guns and cars personify, if you will, American freedom, liberty. So true. So true. Willing Their willingness to just give up their own freedom uh, at the drop of a hat because somebody says it's better for the earth when there's no, uh, there's no appreciable proof of that. Uh, and what's, what's interesting is they forget what it was like when they were 16. Maybe they grew up in New York and never drove or something. But for most 16-year-olds, getting into a car and being able to um, put distance between you and your parents is every kid's dream. It's freedom, as you put it. You're, you're darn right it is. It's also the freedom to get out of the big cities where the, the city yeah. state can control you. You can get out to the suburbs and the exurbs and the, and the rural areas and run your own family and run your own life. Yeah. They don't, they don't want that. They want to have a dictate. They want to have a dictatorship and eliminate your own benevolent dictatorship in your nuclear family unit. Have you ever thought about doing that? Or have you done that? What? Moved out of the big city and just gotten away well, from it all. I mean, I know you're the, a working actor and you're, yeah, I mean, every the, year you're doing something, but that doesn't really matter anymore. You can, you can be remote and, and live anywhere in the country. You can I like the weather here. Yeah. I play golf so I can play golf 330 days out of the year. So that's pretty cool. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, Oh, I've been here a long time. My kids are all here. So it's like, why would I, if the, if the kids leave, I talked to my wife, she's, she said, well, if the kids leave, we'll leave. Got it. So Got it. that's where I, that's where I am. But you, I mean, I'm sick. I'm 60 years old. So I, I own my place. I'm kind of set for the rest of my life and I can live here and play golf. That's awesome. So, 
you know, it's good life. Um, how much retribution have you received because you are a freedom-loving man in Hollywood? Oh, unknowable. I'm sh- sure that there are some goofballs that don't want to work with me, but there, there, there are people who don't want to work with a lot of different people. It's fine. Mm-hmm. The, can I ask you, you talked about the war on boys, and yeah. I absolutely agree that that has been what's happening. I can recall being a reading tutor at my daughter's school and helping this little pod of kids. Uh-huh. Um, and there, I started them in kindergarten and in first grade, one of them uh, was on drugs and I didn't barely could recognize, I couldn't, I could barely recognize this kid. I mean, he was previously, he was not trouble at all. He was just a rambunctious boy. And then the following year, he was all drugged up. First grade, drugged up. It was yep. unbelievable, which brings me to this. And I was looking at your Wikipedia page, and I don't know who you have putting that together for you, but it's pretty nice. And you, it said something about you being involved in Gamergate at all. I mean, talking about Gamergate. And I I never, I mean, I heard about it at the time, and I didn't never really understood what the heck was going on there. But I heard a great explanation from the quartering the other day, and he was talking about it and saying that, you know, it's basically the fact that Guys had said, or correction, women had said that they weren't allowed into certain, playing certain games, and, and guys were going, that's just BS. Is that what your take is on it? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> the, uh, it's interesting. The, the day that Gamergate landed, uh, I, just, I threw a stupid hashtag up on Twitter, and then it, it took off because people were so passionate about it on both sides that there was you know, collusion, uh, journalistic collusion between <laughs> gamer reviewers and the gamer publications and people who were um, game developers. And there was sexual quid pro quos going back and forth between the two. So it was unethical and corrupt in the journalistic sense. And also it was very hard left um, that they were trying to attack male gamers as these neckbeards, these, these, you know, idiots and goofballs and incels and all these stupid names that they give them. Um, and for the most part, gamers are just, they want to be left alone. They want to play their game and whether they're weird or not, doesn't matter. Uh, you know, Joe wrote, people play games from Joe Rogan on down, uh, you know, he, and he's pretty cool. So the, the attack came on the eve of some big convention that uh, was going to happen up in, I think, Seattle. Uh, they call it PAX. It's uh, PAX convention for game developers and, and game journalists and blah, blah, blah. Now, the night of, uh, in all of the publications towards gaming, was this gamers are over uh, incels are goofball, whatever the headlines were, but they all fell at basically the same time. And it was like that journalist for yes. in the gate. And it was like journalist in the gamers got it. and game and gamers became hip to the scam. And that's when they got incensed and, and fought back. And so the journalists, because they had the megaphones, they attacked the gamers and the gamers there were, they outnumbered them. They, they fought back via Gamergate. That's Okay. And you were in on that. You you hashtag. You're the one who came up with the hashtag, huh? Well, again, I wasn't any kind of a leader. All I was using my Twitter feed was a conduit 
for information, which uh-huh. has been my which has been my goal the whole time. It's just I want it to be, uh, you know, a news feed basically. Yeah. Well, you do you do a very good job at that, and you're very. Uh, very passionate about the Alec Baldwin thing. Part of it is because you know all the armorers and, and these are people who've been military and police and, and you're sick of them being besmirched in this whole thing. And we don't want this to ever happen again. Yeah. And meantime, uh, Alec Baldwin has ghosted himself from Twitter, although I understand he's still on Instagram along with Laria, his fake uh, Spaniard wife. Um, so, well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has his own Pierre Delecto account. Or oh, two. yeah, probably. <laughs> because he's, he's certainly out. He's certainly reading the uh, the narrative because he was using the narrative, the Twitter narrative, on the interview with the Stephanopoulos. Mm-hmm. So he's he's perfectly aware, and Twitter's kind of addicting. So there's no way he just dropped that addiction. He's an addictive personality. As is that's that's not that's not secret. Right. He he's such a narcissist. I couldn't believe what I was hearing in that interview where he's blaming the victim. Well, I, I did. A, I did another podcast with um, Christopher Melcher, and uh, he mentioned that when George asked him about guilt, I don't know if you're going to be uh, dropping in any sound bites, in this, mm-hmm. but yeah. or, the, or if it's just us talking. But there's a a uh, sound bite of him when. Stephanopoulos asks him about, does he feel guilty? And he goes, no, 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 no. And to me, that's his, that's his poker tell when he goes, no, 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 no. He speaks fast and he repeats himself. Yes. No, yes, 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 yes. No, 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 no. Your emotions are so clearly so right there on the surface. You felt shock. You felt anger. You felt sadness. Do you feel guilt? No, no. I feel that there is, I, I feel that, 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 uh, Someone is responsible for what happened, and I can't say who that is, but I know it's not me. And he goes into survival mode. So clearly there is guilt involved, and he's just in denial of it uh, for survival's sake. Now, it's terrible for his kids. His kids are going to have to, you know, live with this. But, you know, man up. This is what he should have done in the first place. He should have just manned up and said, it's my fault. Uh... But he he had that fast reaction PR team that just said no 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 we can Carville we can James Carville this uh, this yeah. armorer look at look at her Instagram she's she's got purple hair we can make we can make her Thalinsky her you know freeze her polar, personalize her polarize it pick yeah. the target freezer polarizer and um, that's that's what they that's what they did instead of him manning up and saying I take responsibility for because he's gonna get he's gonna be he's gonna res- he's be, he's responsible anyway he did it. Right. Right. Might as well just grow a pair and. That's right. Do it. Get it done. Get through it because it's going to be better for you if you tell the truth. The truth is always the right way to go unless you're a kid. Here's a speculation. Why the the hell would his lawyers let him do this? So they either think that. He's he's so he's so good on camera, and George Stephanopoulos is a friendly that he can go on there and, and make himself look good. And they and they prepped him for it, and he probably gave better, different, good answers in in front of his lawyers than he did. Or they said, don't do it. That's highly risky. But after that, would you, as his lawyer, I don't know if you have a legal degree or not, but I don't, but as his lawyer, would you stay on and just milk him for as much money as you can, as long as he's paying the bills, he's, uh, he's my client? 
but or would you say, hey, buddy, that was uh, I can't represent you now? Well, if he did it against their advice, he could they could easily fire him. I'm sure he has a yeah. phalanx of lawyers at this point in time. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know how deep his pockets are. He's got a lot of overhead. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, he does. So you were talking about possibly him sheltering money in his foundation. You never think. Mm, you never I don't know. know. That's all speculation. He's, you know, that's who knows. He's got to live on something. He may have to liquidate his family home, which sucks for his kids and his mm. wife. You know, and the, you know, the, you know. It's at, there's a certain aspect where you think, I get it. He wanted to stay home with his kids. His wife wanted him to stay home with his kids. He's sixty-two, three years old. Just you got money, stay home and just enjoy. But he wanted. He was passionate to go and do it, and uh, he screwed up. But. These things happen. No one trouble. No one promised us a trouble-free life. Just America. See, the thing is, Americans are very forgiving. If you just tell the truth, if you're going to go on camera, tell the truth. So when you start disim- uh, dissembling, uh, disim- dissembling, and uh, or lying, <laughs> when you start <laughs> when you start lying, people people, their Americans are hip to it right away. Yeah, I, I wondered when I was watching that if. I was the only one looking at this guy going, guy is just lying his ass off. I mean, oh my gosh, it was terrible. I mean, honestly, yeah, it was just terrible. Oh. Well, I, I looked at Stephanopoulos and his face was sort of the face of, I can't believe he's actually saying this to me. Uh, he didn't bring up the legal aspect. I mean, the black letter law and the New Mexico criminal law involuntary manslaughter is the killing that occurs while the defendant is engaging in lawful but dangerous act without exercising due caution and circumspection. Stephanopoulos didn't bring that up. He has a, a team of investigators on his, and in ABC News that surely dug it up. He chose not to go down that, that road. But sure. Alec, but he was softballing him enough to let the witness hang himself. That's right. Well, I'm sure George Stephanopoulos is in this interview and saying to himself, I can't believe that he is saying this, but I'm so happy because this is going to be a great interview. And I'm sure that they had a an agreement prior to the interview that he would not bring up the legal aspects of it because it looks bad for, for Alec Baldwin. Maybe or... The ABC lawyers just said, let's not go there yet until there's a charge, charges brought. That's, oh. Let's leave that up to the pro- prosecutor. That may have just been their team playing it safe. But they could, he certainly could have brought up the uh, SAG after a safety bulletin, right. which is not, not, not law, but it's the regulations of being on set. And uh, he chose not to do it. But a, uh, <laughs> I hope that they release the raw footage of the entire interview so that we can just see the raw footage. The guys who do the body language, uh, the body language experts uh, did a treatment on this interview and they talked about how it was clear certain things were edited and in different tenses, for example, that he Uh used to answer questions. And uh, it was kind of interesting to find out what they really thought about it. And of course, they thought he might be fake crying as well. I saw one, uh, body language analysis that said that they believed him that he that he how they put it he believed that he, what he was saying was true now that may be true 
he may believe that what he is saying is true, but that's pathological. You know, he yes, it's like that. It's like that Seinfeld Costanza line. It's not a lie. Remember, Jerry, it's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's exactly right. <laughs> Adam Baldwin, thank you so much for coming on the Adult in the Room podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, let's just button this up by saying a prayer for the Hutchins family. And uh, this is this shouldn't have happened. And someone should be someone has to be held accountable. Yeah. And he's the boss and he's the guy with a gun. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Adult in the Room podcast. To keep the programs you like to listen to, please rate this podcast with a fantastic five stars on your Apple podcast app every time you listen and give me a great review. Plus, of course, subscribe to the podcast. It makes a difference with the big tech algorithm and the big tech oligarchs, and it makes us easier to find. Please get in touch with me on all the big tech stuff. Yeah, we're still there. Using the names Victoria Taft or the Adult in the Room podcast on MeWe, Parlor, Minds, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks to 1A Cast for imaging, editing, and production. The fantastic song is Gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for Antifa versus Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by Raps by RC. The Adult in the Room podcast is also a production of Flamingo Road Studios. Remember, head up, heart out, and strive to be the adult in the room. Till next time, mischief managed. <laughs>